And that's one characteristic of the job, more so than in most other jobs that I, in all other jobs that I've had really, is the opportunity to learn new things every day uh, comes about simply because these things cross the desk sometimes in the form of challenges or problems that need to be addressed, sometimes as great news that we need to celebrate and know enough about to, to talk knowledgeably about to the press. And, and so one characteristic of the job is constant learning. University of Maine President Joan Farini Mundy describing one of the many aspects of her job, leading a major research university in the 21st century. It is at various times a position with extreme high points, daunting challenges, and ever-changing needs as she advocates around Maine and beyond for the state's public research institution. In this episode, part two of our conversation with Joan Farini Mundy. I'm Ron Lisnett, and this is the Maine Question Podcast. In part one of our chat with the UMaine president, we focused on the recent milestone UMaine has achieved, being named an R1 top-tier research university by the prestigious Carnegie classification of institutions of higher learning. That puts UMaine in the top 4% of universities across the country for research activity. Well, now comes the chance to expand the conversation just a little bit. As she nears the completion of her fourth year, President Farini Mundy took this time to reflect on her tenure as UMaine president. It is a job that demands a lot. Traveling the state, talking to donors, politicians, alums, business leaders, among other audiences. One day she could be tromping through the main woods to a research site. The next day could bring a visit to a local school, a formal awards ceremony, a meeting with faculty or a student group to check out their work, or a hockey game. It may not be the path she envisioned as she began a career teaching, researching, and promoting math and STEM education, but as she travels across the state and beyond, President Farini Mundy has relished the opportunity to champion the institution she represents on campus and to the public. Our main question for this episode, what's it like to be a university president in the 21st century? President Farini Money, thank you so much. A rare opportunity to get one podcast with you, but we're, we're glad that you've uh, decided to, to speak with us a little bit more here. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ron. It's, it's a pleasure. Can you give us an idea of what the actual job of a university president is like here in the 21st century? How different is it from what you thought it would be going in? Or I, I don't imagine as a a young child, you thought, I want to be a university president one day, right? <laughs> no, no, I wasn't sure about that. You know, it's, it's first of all, it's a privilege to be in this position here at the University of Maine. And, and every day I learn something new. And that's one characteristic of the job, more so than in most other jobs that I, in all other jobs that I've had, really, is the opportunity to learn new things every day uh, comes about simply because these things cross the desk sometimes in the form of challenges or problems that need to be addressed, sometimes as great news that we need to celebrate and know enough about to, to talk knowledgeably about to the press. And, and so one characteristic of the job is constant learning and the constant need to, to, to try to keep up with all the great work that goes on around the place. Um, and, and another feature, and this won't surprise you, you, you've talked about my calendar before, is the unpredictability of each day. And many, many people in the world face this, but, but it's particularly noticeable for me in this job. You know, you really do think you've got your day kind of in mind, and here's what it will look like. And then you get two phone calls and an email that take you into some whole other tangent. Most of the time, that's wonderful and rewarding uh, and a chance to learn. But 
um, there's a big problem solving component to this job um, every day, all the time, and then working with the team to, to address it. Um, it's, it's great fun most of the time, um, not what I could have pictured. And I really, even as I was accepting the position, I really didn't have a picture of what it would be like day to day. We like using the term drinking from a fire hose sometimes. That's right. It's it's that. And then it's uh, trying to just, you know, keep up because it's constant. Is there a typical day or is it just different every day like you sort of alluded to? There are a few standing meetings. So when you have those, that brings an element of kind of consistency to it during the pandemic. There have been a number of meetings that we've we've held both in the university and in the system that are at the same time every day and at regular intervals. And so that sometimes gives at least a framework for the day. And then, um, no, there's really not a typical day. The only thing that's common, I guess, is never feels like there's enough time. It never feels like I'm able to, to get back to all the people that I'd like to, to get back to and, and take a bit of time with. We just try to constantly prioritize and, and take on what needs to be addressed. I, I do think, you know, for, for really everybody, but particularly people who aspire to these kinds of large leadership roles, building in time, and I'm really bad at this, but I keep thinking it would be good, building in time to think, to read, to reflect, to, to write, to plan, is really important. And I find myself only able to do that on weekends and occasionally on breaks. So if there would be a way to build that into the day, that would help make it better. Now you have to have everything from mud boots to dress shoes to a hard hat in your job. I'm guessing you didn't expect to to have to have that, but any idea how many towns, businesses, cities, locations in Maine you've visited in, in uh, almost four years now? Certainly, you know, I'll, 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 check that I'll figure that out over time I'll do some research on that but it's it's dozens if not um you know certainly more than 100 uh, when when you count the companies and the organizations and and all of the different places it's a wonderful state I grew up in New Hampshire but it's a different state um and getting to know the people of Maine has been um is is incredibly and continuing continues to be very rewarding and also very enriching even the university itself putting aside organizations outside of UMaine. We have facilities around the state. We have cooperative extension offices and, and operations. We have farms and forests. We have aquaculture settings. Uh, you know, we're, we're statewide. And so getting to those places is, is important as a part of this job so that I can really represent us as thoroughly as possible with the legislature, with our delegation, and, and in a variety of settings. You've had quite a bit of experience as a researcher yourself, and of course, you were at the National Science Foundation before coming here to UMaine. And we touched on a lot of this in in the previous uh, episode here in terms of UMaine becoming an R1 institution. Can you just generally give us that that pitch of uh, the role of a major public research institution like UMaine and and the role it plays in, in the state? You've hit on a few of the key words here, uh, major and public and research institution. You know, so as a land grant institution, we have a longstanding mission to serve the state, uh, to make a difference in the state of of Maine. And so what that then means for the university is we have to have an orientation towards service, even in our research, even in our teaching, um, which is about serving the people of Maine. That means the students of Maine um, and the towns from which they come, the towns to which they may return when they finish their degrees. Um, by by making sure that we have a research presence um, around the topics that are important in our state. And so that happens pretty naturally here, actually, because people gravitate to a public uh, research institution for some of those same reasons. So I I think we see a lot of it and we continue to strive to make sure it's well known and well understood that that we're committed to that um, in those domains. You know, our students 
in a number of departments do capstone courses as they reach the end of their programming, um, particularly in, in engineering. I'm more familiar with that. And so main companies have the chance to come to the university and to say, here's a problem that I'd like a group of students to work on. Um, could they do so? That just becomes a natural part of the curriculum. I, I just yesterday saw an example of uh, some students in electrical engineering. They're working on a scoreboard for uh, Fort Fairfield schools. They're modernizing this scoreboard to put more modern electronics in it and so forth. And um, I said to them, you should put the UMaine logo on that thing when it gets uh, gets reintroduced back at the football stadium or wherever it's going. So, so I do think it needs to be pervasive through the university. I know there's not much room to print more on your business card, but because you, you've recently taken on a uh, an additional role in the system office, promoting research at the system level for all UMaine campuses. Can you talk about adding that to uh, your plate of things to do? Of course, the University of Maine is, is the flagship institution in the University of Maine system, uh, which is uh, a relatively small system compared to systems around the country, uh, and at the same time, a vital part uh, of the state of Maine because all of our campuses spread out around the state that exist in the system serve an important role, both in their communities and then with their own distinctive missions um, as well. And so being a part of a system um, means that the, the flagship needs to be a really strong partner, both with the, um, the system offices, the chancellor, the vice chancellors and so forth, but as well with the smaller campuses around the state and our partners in, in Portland and Augusta as, as well, which are kind of medium sized. So, um, when Chancellor Malloy asked if I would consider being Vice Chancellor for Research and Innovation, I thought that that's a great way to, to try to help um, ensure that a lot of the capacity that we have here at UMaine is, um, is made available as possible to the rest of the institutions in the system, and that I could learn a lot more about what those institutions wish to do and be in the research and innovation space and look for ways that we can partner and collaborate more effectively. So I'm just about a year into that. I'm having a wonderful time learning about the other uh, universities and the law school across the state and finding incredible opportunities for partnership. Um, think about the law school and, and interests in everything from intellectual property to compliance to um, the ways in which patents work and so forth. That there are examples like that all around the state. And, and my hope is that we expand the impact of the system on the state by um, a little bit more coordination along the research areas. Why math? What was the appeal of that subject for you growing up? So math was always hard for me. It didn't come easily. Um, it really didn't come easily all the way through. I, I always had to work hard. But the satisfaction in solving a problem or finding, this, finding the answer or being able to prove um, you know, to, to figure out how to understand a proof of a theorem. All of that I found very intellectually engaging and greatly satisfying. My father liked math. Uh, he was a he was a Maine Maritime Academy grad in the '40s, and uh, so he was trained as a as a steam engineer. Um, but he had a lot of very practical math background, and so he I could connect with him nicely around math problems because he. He was, uh, he was a good thinker and, and he liked to talk about them. And so there was that connection too, but the analytical thinking that one develops in studying mathematics at, at advanced levels, I, I find useful every single day because um, you, have to, you have to parse these problems and, and try to 
untangle what's most serious and what's most important and what the assumptions are. And, and that's kind of mathematical. So I've always loved it. And I've always loved um, working to help people learn it and understand it. Your answer is surprising because I thought you were going to say, well, I was always good at math. So I went there. But like the rest of us, you struggled with it, too. Oh, I did. It's it's hard. It takes hard work to do well in, in mathematics for young kids uh, by about the fourth grade. Hopefully, they're finding some connection to the subject because increasingly it's an important background for just about everything. And as you look at the proliferation of, uh, of AI in our daily world, at the, uh, the, the, the place of technology in our world, you know, having a sense of mathematics, of data, of understanding what's behind certain things is, is I think, important for everybody. So I always promote math every chance I get. We've talked about UMaine being a public research institution, and we hear these terms a lot, uh, land, sea, and space grant university. What, what does that mean, and, and what should it mean to the people of Maine that aren't part of the higher education world? Land-grant university is probably the most common and most understood. Institutions that were designated by the state legislature or by Congress to receive the benefits of the moral acts of 1862, 1890, and 1994. So there were congressional acts that that essentially designated these institutions. And their original intention um, was to be uh, often, in the case of Maine, you know, to, to help build the agricultural and kind of technical workforce for the state, to be able to educate the folks, frankly, who wouldn't be going to elite private institutions uh, for college, but rather who would come to a public institution, sometimes working to pay their way by farming. You know, here at, at UMaine, students helped build buildings and help take care of the dairy herd, uh, you know, to, to earn their way. But the, the notion was prepare people who will benefit the state and over time then engage in research and applied research that would benefit the state. So cooperative extension is tightly tied to that early designation. We are also a Sea Grant University, which is a national program basically for universities that work with NOAA, which UMaine has for years with our coastline, such as it is, and our incredible work in marine science is broadly. We, uh, we've been a partner with NOAA for many years, and therefore we have that designation. And then, as you might expect, space grant is for institutions that are part of consortia that work with NASA. And we have a lot of NASA funding. So three slightly different meanings, but the land grant is one we've had from the beginning. Part of your duties, of course, as, as we've talked about, is you were visiting facilities across the state and across campus and talking to faculty and students who do really amazing work in a lot of those fields. What's that experience like? Is that a favorite part of your job? And are there any projects or scenarios that, that stand out to you from the many visits you've made? It's really hard to identify any, any single one, but, but I will say a couple of things. Often these trips happen with you know, groups of people, and I love the chance to ride around the state with deans and, and uh, other, other members of the faculty and staff and get a chance to talk and, and take a look at Maine. And we have a lot of people here who are from Maine, and so they're great tour guides. Uh, I'd single out Dean Hannah Carter from Cooperative Extension, who, who's taken me to some of our 4-H camps, for example, which are just remarkable facilities um, around the state, bringing in thousands of, of kids from all around Maine and beyond uh, to get to know our, our beautiful state, to understand about our natural resources and to experience them. And so those are always great visits in the summer. I love to, to get those on the schedule. The Darling Marine Center is a beautiful, beautiful piece of our, uh, of our uh, portfolio, really, and their work is outstanding and, again, great location. So there are a number of places that are good to visit in the summer when there's a lot of activity going on, when researchers and students are there doing their work. 
I would also say that we are uh, really stepping up our presence in Portland. So we have the University of Maine Gateway that's been established, which essentially is an office uh, run by Dr. Pips Vizi to make sure that the assets of UMaine are made available and visible to the business community in Portland so that they understand that, that RNO isn't really that far away and we really are wanting to be a great partner in our research areas uh, for them. And so I, I do spend a fair bit of time in Portland and of course working with colleagues at USM and the law school as well. So it's great to get, to get around the state and to see what we're doing. Um, I will mention one other thing, which is we have this uh, program called the Graduate School for Biomedical Science and Engineering, the GSBSE program. And that's, I think, something very clever designed many years ago, where um, we partner with various private organizations like Jackson Labs um, and others. And we have doctoral students working with scientists in those facilities. So there are UMaine students getting degrees from UMaine, but their work, their research is happening out and around the state in some of our key labs and, and medical facilities. So uh, I've had a chance to visit with some of those students as well. And we really are statewide and making a difference. I think capturing that story is still tough, but we're working on it. Through our chat here, we've heard a lot about what some of your favorite parts of the job of being a university president is. How about some of the more challenging parts? What uh, really sort of keeps you up at night uh, about what you do? I won't get to the keep me up part for a second, but before before that, at the beginning, athletics was challenging for me. I, I love it, but I really didn't know anything about it. And I still can't claim that I know a lot, but I've learned a tremendous amount from Ken Ralph, from our coaches and from our student athletes about what a critical part of the university athletics is. So that's been an expansion of, of, um, of what I know about and what I learn about and, and uh, pay attention to. You know, the, the what keeps me up at night, I front and center is worrying about our students, making sure that we've got the very best experience for them, that we are providing what they need, that, that we are a safe and welcoming and inclusive environment, uh, that we have the mental health supports for our students that, that are necessary. Um, you know, that's certainly one thing. We live, fortunate to live in the president's house here on the campus, but there are fraternities near us. And so as I listen to whatever's coming from them by way of music or or um, whatever might be happening on the weekend, I actually worry. I think, I hope they're okay. I hope they're, you know, um, and, and so there is that piece. And then we're, we're a research university and that comes with a lot of activity. One has to pay attention to, um, to research compliance, to all that goes along with research and the safety and risk that that all brings us. And uh, we have excellent people doing that work, but, but I think many presidents make sure that they pay sp special careful attention to that area. So as we wrap up here, maybe let's take take a look down the road. What 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 might be coming down the pike that you're excited to let people know about? Next phases for for you and for the university that you, you might be able to share. Well, you know, the R1 is is a very big deal and and that's been a goal really since since I arrived and everybody's worked together and we're there, but sustaining that means that we have to have yet another whole layer of strategy and, and focus. And we'll be putting that together, I think, in the coming months uh, to figure out, take a little bit of a breath to, to be happy about our one, but then to say, you know, what can we be? And, and I'm still um, sure that, that a piece of this needs to be that our research missions and our teaching and service missions are well integrated that we become a place that does that well. And uh, to do that requires you know, a lot of faculty engagement. It's not easy as a researcher to simply integrate your research into your teaching. It varies by field, it varies by experience level. And, and so I think we'll see more focus, I hope, 
on helping people, both looking at to the superstars we have who are already doing that and then helping others think about whether that's something they wish to do, finding funding to do that. The Alphonse grant, um, which is a $240 million grant to the system is a 10 to 12 year grant that will benefit UMaine greatly. And so we will see a change certainly in athletic facilities and engineering and computing facilities across the, uh, across the uh, university. And then I think in our work in engineering and computer science, as well as business and a variety of fields. We do have a, um, a commission that's been working and we hope to release their findings fairly soon. You um, 2025, which is meant to be a bit of a picture of what we could be expecting when the class of 2025 finishes and, and beyond. And so there are some really exciting ideas in there proposals really for what we could be as a university. So we'll be, uh, we'll be bringing that to the public very soon. I want to thank you so much for taking the time. We could go on for, for a long time here, a lot, a lot more to talk about, but we appreciate uh, you spending some time with us here. Thanks for the chance, Ron. I really appreciate it. You can find the first episode of our conversation with the president and all of our episodes on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. UMaine's Facebook and YouTube pages, as well as Amazon and Audible. Send along any questions or comments about our show to mainquestion at maine.edu. I'm Ron Lisnett. We'll catch you next time on The Main Question.